Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Top college headlines of the day. Justin Fuente out at Virginia Tech. We'll hit that and much more. We'll preview Titans and Texans, Balls and South Alabama, and some other college games across the country. Right now, though, NFL headlines as we kick off hour number two of Al Kick 360, live from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. We say hello to John McLean of the Houston Chronicle, TexasSportsNation.com. John joins us from Houston and will be in studio with us on Friday uh, as he comes in town for the Texans matchup against the Tennessee Titans. John, hope you're doing well. Always great to see you. Oh, we will get his they audio. They need to un- unmute him. Hold on. Hold on, John. We're not hearing you. Yeah, we will uh, get back to John in just a moment. We must be able to hear John. Shockingly quiet from John. I know. It may be on John's end. Okay, so I'll, I'll text him now. Uh, but Chad, he will be in studio with us. and um, Always in a case. He's excited. Anytime you can get John McClain live in the flesh, it is worth the price of admission. And lucky for our audience, the price of admission is zero. And I zero dollars, zero cents. I heard he's going straight from here to the stage to play with his band. Yes, it's going to be a reunion tour. It's going to start on the outdoor stage here at 6th and Peabody. It's yeah. going to be great. John, you were you were actually telling people the name of your of your band um, and muted yourself, I think. Still not there? Okay, I was told to go back to John. My bad. Um, he says he's not muted, Jacob, for, for the record. So we will recap not, with him momentarily. Um, so over the last three weeks, the one in five Jets... Beat the five and two Bengals. The one and six Jags beat the five and two Bills. The two and six Giants beat the five and two Raiders. The two and seven Dolphins beat the six and two Ravens. The two and six Washington football team beat the six and two Bucks. It's and, terrific. And yet, I still like if we went through here and said Bengals, Bills, Raiders, Ravens, Bucks. All these teams that are losing these bad teams could beat the the good teams that we're referencing across the league right now. Bills, um, Rams, Titans. We could conceivably make a make room for all these teams. Yeah, I mean the upsets are really good moments in time for these bad teams that are going to fill up like you know the uh, NFL Films makes videos uh, for right, every team right. at the end of the season. And, you know, we saw it when the Titans won two games, when the Titans won three games. Those two or three games, they really fill up the video with a lot of highlights from those games. And then, like, the long field goal from before the half in the 45-3 blowout. Um, And that's what's going to happen for those teams. But, um, you know, it doesn't make the Bills bad. Clearly, you know, we're looking locally. It doesn't make the Titans bad that they lost to the Jets. It may in fact galvanize. May in fact, in fact, have galvanized the Titans because they haven't lost since they then. They haven't lost since. It's remarkable to me that it also doesn't make these teams that are winning these games good at all. No, right? Like, so none it's, of them not, have it's not like that the Dolphins. Off of it. It's not like you watch the Dolphins or the Jets or the Giants. 
and you think, boy, that's a good NFL that's team. That's the beginning of something. Yeah, th- that's, that's the Giants team that we expected to see this preseason. That's the Jets team we expected to see. I, I think it just on the other end, it shows how incompetent even good NFL teams can look at times. Given the week, given the opponent, given a few miscues. And we all know the margin for error is very, very thin in the NFL. But it shows me even the good teams are capable of really bad. Well, it's also, and we know that every year, but we've seen it a lot more lately. Also how fans get sucked in. Mike White was really good against Cincinnati. People had been disappointed in Zach Wilson. He hadn't done anything really since he beat the Titans in that overtime no. game in week, what, four? And so everybody's like, Mike White, Mike White, we're chanting his name. We love it. This is going to be the new thing. Jets fans do them this to themselves over and over and over again. You really convince yourself that Mike White's going to go out and do something close to that again? And then he doesn't, and then they're actually well, he like threw, disappointed. He, he threw like four picks. And they're disappointed because they created an expectation. Uh, the ability of some football fans to create expectations, and every fan base has the thing that they do. In, in New York, they, they create expectations for quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. Somehow, I don't know, their bounce-back ability, their willingness to believe again is actually impressive. It's impressive. In, with the Titans fan base, it's their ability to fall in love with somebody in training camp. Uh, Sergeant, the running back, who had a nice little preseason going against third stringers. I've still got people on my website saying, I can't believe that they're not putting, that they didn't bring Sergeant in to run against the, uh, uh, ahead of Foreman and Peters. Now, if you can't believe it, if you don't think that, that John Robinson and Mike Vrabel would have much preferred to have Sergeant pan out and not have to go to the street for Deontay Foreman and Adrian Peterson, if you can't believe that, I mean, that's, that's just this hope. I, I, fans just love the hope, the hope, the hope. Well, the media sells the hope. The league sells the hope. Look at the, look at the records across the league right now. Who's out of it? Only maybe a third of the league. I mean, the Lions are the only, they're not even mathematically eliminated, but they're the only team that really is like legitimately dead. I mean, you, you want the hope. Yes. If, if you're the league and the team to team, I mean, that thing, Cam Newton joins the Panthers and that, that team bought into the hope with yeah. the, how they played against the Cardinals. Yeah. But what percentage of the time does that, uh, that guy, the, the singular guy oh, know. that yeah. creates the well, hope the pan position. out into the, yeah. yeah, and a starting quarterback can do that for you. A fifth-string running back oh, no. generally cannot. Even at Baltimore, Le'Veon Bell announced Le'Veon today Bell, yeah, he's, he's out. Cut. So the, a story just came down. It's one of these where I had to look over and over to see if this is a legit outlet. Okay. Um, it is Yahoo Sports it's the Major Onion. League Baseball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's legit. Sorry. sorry. It's, uh, there's this new uh, journalistic site called The Onion that has this <laughs> story. That would be funny if I read Peeling that. away the layers. It's Adam Scheffler <laughs> with a report. With a one. Uh, I've researched it. It seems legit. Yahoo Sports MLB. It's just Yahoo Sports MLB page. It's got over 24,000 followers. It is a uh, blue check mark site. Report. Freddie Freeman gets huge, huge extension from Braves. Likely biggest deal in club history. Uh, but you go to the story and there is no story. That's but that's the tweet. You go to the story, and as you guys see, it's a collection of ads at Yahoo Sports on the baseball page. So you can't give me any financial details on this because it's going to set the bar for Aaron Judge in a year? Nope. Just report, Freddie Freeman gets huge extension from Braves, likely biggest deal in club history. I'm passing along as it goes. 
21,000 followers, blue yeah, check mark. It's, yeah, it's, it's Yahoo terrifying. Sports MLB, verified, but you go to the story and nothing. Well, this is on the heels of the report that the Yankees were in play heavily for Freeman. Oh, man. I didn't see that. Oh, it's it was all over the place yesterday. That I don't really bad. want him. I want Olsen. You don't want Freddie Freeman? <laughs> I want Olsen. He wants Carlos Correa. I don't want Cole. I love Paul over here. You know, I don't want a guy who uh, was MVP, who was a gold glove guy. Don't really want him. Well, I'm thinking of financial concerns and age. Oh. How old is Freddie Freddie Freeman? Freddie Freeman's 32. Okay. Well, what he's going to get is a contract that's too long, and at the back end of this contract, he's going to suck. And the Yankees consistently sign guys to contracts like that, and I want them to stop doing it. Olsen, who would have to be traded for, is younger. I want youth. Youth. Olsen, youth, youth. Mash it, the masher for the A's, right? You're yes. talking about? Yeah. Uh, John Heyman tweeted four hours ago, last heard sixth year was still at issue in the Freeman Braves yeah, talks. It's, it's not some 10-year deal. It's fluid. It's not a Albert Pujols situation. Yeah. They're talking about where but he's going to run to 42. Is a lot. He'd be 38. 38 scares me. Over 35 scares Doesn't me. scare me that much. I, I think five is the sweet spot, but if it takes six to re-sign him, I, I'm all for it. Batted, uh, what, 300? 31 homers. Yankees met with him. 83 RBI. He's in his prime right now. I mean, this... Now, well, it, Paul's Atlanta right. can't in, let him leave. In two or three years, he's falling out of his prime. But he's in it right now. Yeah, As a temporary... As a shorter-term solution, I'm fine with Rizzo, who'll be a lot cheaper in New York. As a long-term solution, I'd like Olsen, who will cost. Uh, and if the Yankees are going to go get themselves a big-time shortstop... Well, then they have two prospect shortstops that they've been waiting on. If you get the big-time shortstop, then you can trade away the prospect shortstops, which is how it goes for the Yankees. Generally, their farm system is all about trade chips, which is fine. You don't have to wait unless you've got a Jeter down there you know, who's, or a Rivera. Go ahead. Deal. I'm trying to find someone else reporting the Freddie Freeman news other than this Yahoo, Yahoo Sports, uh, which has it out, but no, no written story. And now everything is breaking news. Breaking Loyola Chicago is leaving the Missouri Valley Conference for the Atlantic 10. Because <laughs> all these college basketball writers at once are tweeting the same thing, and I'm thinking, oh, breaking, here it is. Freddie Freeman Braves, extension, no. Breaking, John Rothstein. Loyola Chicago is joining Chad, the Atlantic 10. As Fletch once said in the fine, fine film, it's a smaller story, but I know you're following Yeah, it's a much smaller story. Chad, you're not nervous about this, though, are you? Like, th this is a no-brainer for the Braves to bring him well, back. Well, I was nervous when, yes, but I was nervous when the initial report was Braves weren't really budging, and they were like $25 million off of what they wanted. Because that's a, initially that's it was, significant I'm really bad with numbers when they get that big, but it was basically yeah. Freeman wanted two or three more years on the contract and $30 million more dollars. And the Braves yeah, like, no, we're, we're thinking bit. more like four or five, not seven or eight on the contract. And they were way off. That adds up. And that he was just going to test the market at that point. Orioles weren't in this? Of course not. I don't think the Orioles were in this. <laughs> I just want that. Is there someone I that anyone wants to, to trade included. for? The Orioles would be glad to send it to you. See, if, if, if Freddie Freeman was with the Orioles, he would have left the Orioles for a big payday at 25. <laughs> no, not left. He yeah, would have been traded. Or been traded. Yeah, traded. Yeah, right. He'd have been great. Everyone got yeah. excited with Orioles yeah. fans, and then he would have been out of there at 26, not 32. Yeah, you have anyone good that the Yankees should be trading for? Been some movement on the uh, the waiver wire and IR today for the NFL. We'll, we'll run through a couple of the injury designations uh, that have happened today and hit the NFL headlines. We'll check in with John McClain again when we come back. 
Uh, and uh, if John can't join us, we'll dive back into the narrative discussion on what we're buying, what we're selling right now, right before Thanksgiving week, where things begin to turn and positioning starts for the playoffs, who we're buying and selling across the NFL next on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 rolls on with John McLean of the Houston Chronicle, TexasSportsNation.com. John, thanks for sticking with us. Hope you're doing well today. I am. I was enjoying the show and uh, especially all the talk about the World Series champion Braves. I believe they offered Freddie Freeman six and 150 in the offseason, and they probably should have upped it a little bit because the price of doing business has now gone up. And as far as Carlos Correa and the Yankees, a lot of people here now are thinking he might end up in Detroit because A.J. Hinch, his former manager, is there. Plus, their owner has said he will open up the bank vault. And if you're going to go to Detroit, boy, those Tigers are going to have to way overpay. He deserves Detroit. And they have metal garbage cans in Detroit as opposed to uh, plastic ones. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A couple of uh, news and notes. Uh, As promised here, the Dolphins placed offensive tackle Greg Little on injured reserve today. Uh, But the big veteran move, the Ravens officially cut running back Le'Veon Bell um, from their active roster. And uh, John, let's just start Let's start with the Baltimore Ravens and what they've done in their backfield. They lose all those uh, top-tier guys atop their depth chart to begin the season, replace them with vets. Bell wasn't bad, and now he's on the streets again as they continue to go back and forth on their active roster at that position. Le'Veon Bell is a great example of a guy who sat out a season because he's trying to get more money. He's never been the same since. That's especially big for running backs who need to play, need to get hit, need the ball. And he's a good example if you should never sit out an entire season, especially if you're a running back. Now, Trent Williams is a different example when he was traded from Washington where he sat out to the 49ers where he played really well last year. But Boy, Le'Veon Bell, he should have re-signed. I think he was offered like, was it $14 million a year? And he wanted more. Right, Whatever yeah. it was, he should have taken it. That was crazy for him to, to sit out that year. He carried uh, 31 times for 83 yards, 2.7 yards carry, two touchdowns for the Ravens as they scrambled to put things He together. was the number three. Yeah. You know, he was the number three option there. John, uh, Rams lose last night. Uh Two straight losses for the Rams. Two straight losses for the Bucks. Meanwhile, the Packers are sit atop the NFC. What do you make of the NFC right now? Go back to the Rams. The Rams beat Detroit and Houston back-to-back, and everybody's like, oh, man, this is a Super Bowl team. Then the Titans embarrassed them without Derrick Henry, and the 49ers embarrassed them even more. 49ers were 0-4 at Levi Stadium, and they just walloped them. They had guys running ball that I've never heard of, guys in offensive line blocking, I've never heard of. And that got a lot of people off of Kyle Shanahan's back because there was a lot of people starting to say Kyle Shanahan's had one winning year, you know, and they signed him to an extension. Maybe they shouldn't have done it for one week at least. The heat is on Sean McVay rather than Kyle Shanahan. If you're a Rams fan, you got to be worried about that. Jags have won two of four Miami you know, as a team they should contend with. The Buffalo upsets the win of the year, 9-6. 
I, I, I don't think they're fantastic by any means, but after the Cincinnati non-played ride home for, for Urban Meyer, I thought it was a matter of time before this team got away from him and he was fired. I, I got to give him credit or fired or had to quit. I got to give him credit. He's done a pretty good job of holding this team together and getting them on a, on a decent track, it feels like to me. He calls them a bunch of street fighters and been pumping them up. What do you think of the work he's done considering the mess he was in? Well, his offense has not been very good, but they lost DJ Chark for the season. James Robinson missed two games in a row. He came back in this one. You know, Trevor Lawrence struggled with interceptions early. Now he's not throwing interceptions or touchdown passes. Jamal Agnew, who's a receiver who also plays running back at a 77-yard touchdown run. So the defense is playing better than the offense, which is to be expected when you have a rookie. All I know is they're better than the Texans. I expect them to beat the Texans. And I'll tell you, a team in the division that to me is a very flimsy, the Colts have won four out of five. They have defeated the Houston, San Francisco, the Jets, and the Jaguars, and their earlier victory was over the Dolphins. So they haven't played a team that's even 500 right now. I don't expect the Colts to be in the playoffs. I didn't pick them for the playoffs. I picked the Titans and Indianapolis will be second, though. Jacksonville will be third. And, of course, the Texans will be last. And we're talking about statistics. Let me tell you guys something. Mike Vrabel and his defensive coaches better be working overtime all week, maybe even 24-7, because they've got to make sure the Texans don't score a touchdown for the fifth consecutive game on the road. They haven't scored a touchdown on the road since the second game of the season on September 19th, and it'll be important for the Titans to keep that streak going. Indy's schedule gets bad, by the way. At Buffalo, Tampa Bay, Houston, New England, at Arizona, Las Vegas, amongst their games remaining. John, Patriots win 45-7 to over the Browns. Are you buying the Patriots' resurgence? They're 6-4, and Chadillac, and they're doing a great coaching job. Josh McDaniels, I wonder if he can parlay this performance into a head coaching job or if he's just going to stick around and hope that Robert Kraft promotes him when Belichick finally retires or dies on the job. And they've been very careful about how he throws, but he opened it up a little bit in that game against the Browns defense that is good. Most of their injuries, their key injuries, are on offense. They have a couple in the secondary, and they've had to overcome a lot of injuries, but there's no excuse for getting beaten like that by a rookie quarterback. I don't know if that says more about the Patriots or it does the Browns right now, but the Patriots are six and four. Bill Belichick's doing one of the greatest coaching jobs he's done, and it will be interesting to see. Will he finally get some recognition for it? Because this time last year, people were saying, see, he can't coach without Tom Brady. Well, another blowout win was Dallas, and the the opponent they're facing is the opponent this week for the Patriots on Thursday night football. New England will be in Atlanta for Thursday night uh, as we see Mac Jones on full display against Arthur Smith's Atlanta Falcons. Um, what what do you make of Dallas, John? Do, do you look at that blowout win as some kind of statement after they were blown out at home by Denver? Or is Dallas just like every other team across the league right now that's very up and down week to week and hard to predict? So much of it depends on injuries, when a player 
is injured, who he who he's injured against, and of course who it is. Cowboys just stunk it up against the Broncos. Then the Broncos go home and stink it up. And so I picked Dallas to run away with that division, as I did the Titans to run away with the division. And I know they still will. The key is, is Dallas a legitimate Super Bowl contender? They're loaded on offense. Dan Quinn has a defense playing so much better, just like can the Titans go to the Super Bowl without Derrick Henry, without running the ball? You know, every team seems to have a fault. But the hottest one right now looks to be Green Bay. They lost without Aaron Rodgers. They came back and won with Rodgers with a little help from the officials and a snowstorm at Lambeau Field. But Arizona, if Kyler Murray, you know, you lose that quarterback, as the Cardinals showed, as the Packers showed, you lose that quarterback for a game or two, there's a good chance you're going to lose. And that's one thing that's making the race so exciting this year is because there is so much up and down by even the best teams. You know, all we know right now, the three worst teams are the Lions, the Texans, and Jets. But if we had to pick the three best, I'm not so sure right now that Kansas City is not the best team in AFC. Like the Patriots, they've been on a roll. And what they just did Sunday with Mahomes, no interceptions, five touchdown passes, 400 yards, that's what we've been used to seeing for the last two years. And, and John, uh, Paul can pick up on this, but we were discussing an hour ago the NFL narratives at the end of August, start of September to now, and how much the narratives have changed. Kansas City is a great example of that, where we may end up going full circle here, where Kansas City ends up being the team we thought they were because a couple of weeks ago, we were writing them off, saying they weren't even going to make the playoffs. They were the ninth team listed in the AFC standings. Now they lead their division, and all of a sudden, you know, and I, it's hard to disagree with what we saw this past week where you're saying, hey, they look like the best team in the AFC. That's because that's the team we expected to see week in and week out. The odds are against a team going to three consecutive Super Bowls. It just is. Now, maybe them starting slow was good for them. Just like one of the Cowboy players said after the Broncos came, we needed a slap in the face. Well, they got it, and they responded the way you want your team to respond. With the Chiefs, Mahomes is getting criticized for the first time. You know, Maybe he's doing too many State Farm commercials. Maybe he's got too much going on off the field, and then all of a sudden he embarrasses their arch-rival Raiders, and right now he looks like Patrick Mahomes again. But I, I could not pick right now one team that I thought is a sure Super Bowl team. Buffalo, I thought that for the longest time. Now they go put up, what, 45 points? But look who it was against. And there are some bad teams. There's a lot of mediocre teams. But, man, I can't wait till December when you separate the contenders from the pretenders. You were just down, though, on the Rams for for uh, winning two easy games before they've faced bad teams. Kansas City just beat the Giants, who suck. They beat Green Bay with love at quarterback, and they beat Las Vegas, uh, and it's implosion season for the, Ra- uh, for the Raiders, yeah. who've had – uh, you know, uh, uh, D felony DUI, a guy waving guns around, get cut, and their coach uh, have to resign. So th- those aren't the three greatest wins for Kansas City there. No, and you left out Henry Ruggs being cut too. And I'll tell you what, though, the Chiefs are proven. you got a proven head coach 
a proven quarterback, proven players at a lot of positions. And that's why I think them beating bad teams is more impressive than, say, a team that's just good this year beating a bad team. After what I saw with Mahomes on Sunday, if you're t- if there's one player, I'm going to say, okay, he's overcome his struggles. He's back. It's not going to be Cam Newton. It's going to be Patrick Mahomes. Fair. Um, I'm wondering what you think about Jalen Hurts. I, I don't think Philadelphia is going anywhere. They've got a pretty soft schedule the rest of the way, though, which gives him a nice runway to continue to prove himself. He's gotten progressively better. What are the odds in your mind that the Eagles come out of this season feeling like they've got their guy as opposed to feeling like they need to go find their guy? Well, they better, Paul, because they they were the other team that made the best offer for Deshaun Watson. And Watson said, no, I'm not going there. He's got a no-trade clause, so that ruled out the Eagles. And the Eagles had the most to offer. Right now they got two ones and a two. They can become a one for Indianapolis if Wentz plays 75% of the plays and they go to the playoffs, or 70% and they don't, and and they reject them. So they're out of the picture. And I think right now if Hurts continues to improve against mediocre to bad competition, he'll at least be a lot better than he was last year. It's amazing to me. Some Most of the time, rookie quarterbacks do not play well. We're seeing that in every case other than Mac Jones. And yet people get so upset. And then when they improve the second year, or like Josh Allen did, like they hope Jalen Hurts continues to do, then people are like, wow. And so you've got to give these rookies time. The Eagles are not real good. They're not going to go to the playoffs. They're certainly not going to win the division, but they are clearly the second best team in the NFC. Maybe they get on a run. I don't know that Hertz is good enough to do that because he still has a lot of ups and downs and he has to run the ball a lot. And uh, so I'm not buying in on them to be a a playoff contender, but as someone who's been paying attention to Hertz since he grew up in Houston and went Alabama and then Oklahoma I certainly saw what he accomplished in those three places and I wouldn't rule him out he's run it nearly 100 times Hut he's thrown it uh attempted 296 passes Mm. John what do you make of um John Gruden channeling Al Davis and suing the league and using some very strong language it's a communist type hunt to get him out of the league from the NFL uh lawyers Drafted quite the strong statement in the litigation against the league. What, what what do you make of all this? What do you think ultimately happens? Well, first of all, we have no idea how this is going to end up in court because that thing, the way it's worded, communism and all that, I think he's very bitter, which everybody knows. I think he realizes he'll never be a head coach again, at least in the NFL, maybe in college. If he's interested, he's not going back on TV, so maybe he thinks his career's over. So why not take this shot? You know, why not? I'd love to see a lot of things come out in discovery and get to see a whole lot more of those emails that were sent back and forth between him and Bruce Allen, plus no telling who else and Bruce Allen. And I, I don't feel sorry for Gruden because what he said, he deserved to be fired, but somebody had a witch hunt in the NFL, and they went after him, and they got him. John McClain with us. You can follow him on Twitter at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. What would you do if you're the Browns with Baker Mayfield 
off of what we've seen because there are pros and cons to this year. I like the fact that he's playing through the pain of that shoulder. I like the fact that he's demanding to start even when he's clearly banged up. Um, I don't like the production that he's giving this team. And uh, I, I think there are leadership qualities to him that I do like, leadership qualities I don't like. Um, with, with that being said, I'm not sure if I'm the Browns that I would offer him any time of any kind of big money extension at this given time. Well, I certainly wouldn't either, John. Then let me tell you, all that whining and crying over Teddy Bridgewater not trying to make a tackle on Darius Slay's interception. I watched Baker Mayfield try <laughs> to make a tackle against the Texans in the second game of the season. He hurt his left shoulder. He had to be helped off the field. He came back, but that left shoulder has been bothering him all year. And people say, okay, he throws with his right arm. Yeah, but you touch that football with your left shoulder. You're throwing motion. It's involved. And I think that he's been hurting all year. That's why the only thing you got to worry about with your quarterback is telling him, get the hell out of the way. Do not go in there and try to make that tackle. I don't think he's getting a big contract extension, and it's not the Baker Mayfield they expect to see. And I think his injury has a lot to do with it, not to mention they're a run-oriented first team. And they've missed Nick Chubb. They've missed Kareem Hunt. Injuries have decimated their backfield most of the season. I I, I look at it, though, John, and I think given the, the history of the position for the franchise – it is a tough decision to make because there has been some glimpse of and, and flashes of greatness with Baker. Um, uh, th- there are times where he can truly take over and times where, look, you're, you mentioned the injuries in the backfield to Chubb and others. When those guys are available and that offense is humming, Baker's pretty good. Uh, they have one of the top offensive lines in football and then they get banged up too. So I, I I understand both sides of it. And yeah. I think that makes it an extremely difficult. It's not decision. like they can. Uh, they've got any experience or success finding another. I'm not. I'm not giving him the Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson deal, though. No quarterbacks. Quarterbacks hate to hear this term "game manager." But you know what? That's what he is. When you play there, and this goes back to Otto Graham, Brian Sipe, Bernie Kosar. When you're playing in that stadium, right next to Lake Erie. And the wind is usually bad. And sometime in the winter, the weather can be terrible. You've got to have a game manager who just doesn't turn it over, moves the chains, hands the balls off, takes what the defense gives them. They're not going to make the kind of plays that a lot of quarterbacks make. And that kind of guy doesn't deserve the big bucks like that. Others get. How do you negotiate off of that, John, though? Because he can just wait it out and wait for a franchise tag to be there and and try to lean against that, which which is the system every quarterback has used. Well, he's already been tagged. Yeah, and so he'll lean on getting tagged again. That's a lot of money to pay him, and but it's a one-year mm-hmm. deal. Maybe they don't want to give him a long-term contract. Maybe they want to start over. I mean, they know by now what he's capable of doing on and off the field. and had a lot of controversy early on, but I've seen him where I just – to me, he's too inconsistent. When you have injuries, he doesn't take over a game. And when you're paying quarterbacks the kind of money that we're talking about, those guys like Josh Allen, money, you got it's got to be a no-brainer. And it's not a no-brainer with Baker Mayfield. Mayfield has got a whole lot more proven to do with consistency, big games, being smart, making good throws. 
I feel bad for him because he's probably, I'm guessing he's probably 70, 75%. And knowing if somebody said shoulder replacement and a torn rotator cuff, I know how much both shoulders, how valuable they can be. And I just wish that he were healthy and they could make a decision based on performance only. John, one of the boring games this past week uh, was Packers-Seahawks. And I bring this up because it ties into the quarterback discussion that we're having. Um, We don't know about the future of Baker Mayfield. Uh, We don't know about the future of Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. And really, the the underlying storyline of the offseason was Russell Wilson being unhappy in Seattle. And then that kind of went away. He's returned from injury. This is a Seahawks team that's not going to make the postseason based on what we're seeing and, and he, him, him getting hurt for a month and coming back maybe a week or two too late. What do you make of, of Russell Wilson? And have you heard anything about his future in Seattle since this past offseason? No. And remember, he went public and talked about how great everything was and he was happy and he didn't want out. And I think he actually he photobombed one of uh, Pete Carroll's appearances. But Sometimes when there's smoke, there's fire. But remember, it was all about him wanting more of a role Mm -hmm. in the offense and the personnel department. You know, that was one of the big problems here with Deshaun Watson was wanting more of a role when it comes to coaches, general managers, personnel. You know, I've never seen players, maybe Peyton Manning had that kind of power. Tom Brady obviously has that kind of power. But you've got to get the pelts on the wall to get it. And Wilson didn't have it. They said that. Pete Carroll's offense is kind of dinosauric, that's a word, and he wanted him brought up more into the 21st century. So we'll see where Aaron Rodgers, his complaint, also not about money, his complaint is that general manager uh, Brian Gutekunst didn't consult him and got rid of too many of his friends. I don't know that Russell Wilson would love the situation, given all of that description, but Cleveland was interested in Russell Wilson uh. last time around that he was upset. So if there are shuffling of quarterbacks goes as deep as Baker Mayfield, that's one. That and John, the, the other quarterback opening that everyone's expecting is in Pittsburgh too. I mean, that that's going to be an opening that everyone points to and tries to plug and play with all these guys. Texans got a quarterback for any of them. If the quarterback <laughs> will just give his approval to be traded to a team besides Miami. Okay, help me with this, John, because I've been asked this question about Watson, and I don't have a great answer. You will. What What are the requirements for Watson on the team, like for him to approve the trade? Why does he want to go to Miami, and why is he vetoing a trade to Carolina, for instance? And what are what are some of the the checklists that are required for him to approve this trade? Get outside of the fact that the the organization he's going to would want him to settle all these civil cases. Well, first of all, don't believe everything you read nationally. He never rejected Carolina because the Panthers didn't make a legitimate offer like Philadelphia did. Okay. So until somebody's serious, they don't go to him or his representative. The only thing we can figure out about Miami is South Florida. So many players like to live there. When you think about everything he's undergone off the field, he might be able to go to South Florida and just kind of disappear except on Sundays. Now, a lot of people don't want to play for Brian Flores because he came from New England, and they don't want to get involved in the Patriot way. 
Jadeveon Clowney had a chance to be traded there in the Laramie Tunsil deal. He said, no, he wouldn't report. He'd retire. He didn't want to go play for the Patriot uh, people. And, and so he didn't. They traded him to Seattle. So Watson can reject anybody. They can say, okay, give us a list. But what they're doing is they're gauging interest. And if Carolina's 200 miles from his hometown of Gainesville, Georgia, his family's there. His best friend, longtime quarterback coach Quincy Avery, is in Atlanta, and that would be a great spot for him. As I've written and said, if they would let Matt Rule talk to him, and if he would talk to Rule, I guarantee he'd want to go there because Rule is a very, very impressive talker. And I think Carolina is definitely going to need a quarterback. Pittsburgh, maybe Seattle, maybe Green Bay. There's so many possibilities. And the Texans are hoping that he would approve somebody besides the Dolphins because the Dolphins' number one pick just got lower last night when the 49ers beat the Rams. Their number one belongs to the Eagles. The number one that they have belongs to the 49ers. So I keep telling people in Houston, you want the 49ers to lose because if Watson goes to the Dolphins, that's the first first-round pick you're going to get. I know we're getting ahead of the uh, the – the show here, and we'll be discussing this for a while. What does Houston want to do with the position? Are they going to go veteran or are they going to draft a guy? Because right now the draft talk is very Weak. mute overall for the for the yeah, upcoming what, quarterback crop. One of the things that I try to write as much as possible about getting a top pick, hopefully the first overall pick. Yeah. Detroit could have helped them do it, and they screwed up with a tie. And I've looked at all the quarterbacks, and right now – there's not one worthy of the top five, maybe not at the top 10. Now, that can change when they start running around in shorts and T-shirts and the scouts fall in love with them throwing against air. And maybe Nick Casario, the GM, likes one of them. My personal opinion is he's going to let Davis Mills start another season to see what they got and build around them. They have their one, their two. They have nine picks overall, two threes. They're hoping in this draft to get at least one one and one two for Watson and then picks in the next two drafts as well as number also number one picks. They've been asking for March for three ones and two twos, which I've been telling you guys for months. Then I see a national guy this past weekend. So they want three ones and two twos, and then everybody acts like it's big news. But that's what they're hoping to get. If they'd have traded him to the Dolphins, they were going to do three ones, a three and a five. And then of course the owner shut it down when he didn't reach settlements. And the one thing Watson needs to do is reach settlements with his accusers. There's 22 civil lawsuits accusing him of sexual assault and misconduct. Nobody is going to make a trade for him if all that's still being held over his head. John, we didn't preview any of the upcoming games this weekend because you will be in studio with us on Friday, and we will chat about all of those games in Week 11 with you right here at 6th and Peabody. We look forward to it. I look forward to seeing you guys in person. Can't wait to see your new digs. Looking forward to coming to Nashville, my home, away from home. Thanks, safe, guys. Safe Thank you, John. John McClain of the Houston Chronicle joins us weekly here on the show. Follow him on Twitter at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. Uh, big news in college football today with Justin Fuente out for the Hokies. We discuss that and more next on Outkick 360.
Time to further the point on why it's great to be a college football head coach. Outkick 360 rolls on. Power five, that is. Virginia Tech is paying Justin Fuente nearly $9 million to not be the coach at Virginia Tech. Think about that. That would have gone down also in one month. I want to say like $1.5 million. They didn't <laughs> wait a month. Because many believe it's who else is on the list of openings that I gave you and that they're after the same person as someone else on that list. And they so like Jamie Chadwell, I'm trying to think of everybody it would be. Dave Clawson is being mentioned as a, a guy that's potentially it's, moving on. The one, the one coach with job opening right now that seems pretty firm, as firm as it could be, that that's going to be the pick is Sonny Dykes going to TCU from SMU. Yeah. That seems to make the most sense, and let, that's what's probably going to happen. But yeah, I mean, uh, I, I was looking through Bruce Feldman's story with available you know, candidates that they'll reach out to at Virginia Tech. Dave Clawson at Wake Forest, Sonny Dykes, Jamie Chadwell, Billy Napier. Uh, Jamie Chadwell and Billy Napier will come up in all these jobs. All of them. Uh, coordinators expected to get calls. Joe Moorhead. Joe Moorhead, by the way, was 14-12 and 12 at Mississippi State, 2-0 and 0 in the Egg Bowl and got fired because he wasn't a cultural fit. Didn't do a bad I'm job. Sure, I'm sure Marcus Freeman is going to be mentioned in this. Marcus Freeman. He's no, the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. 35 years old. First year there, coming from Cincinnati. He took over for Clark Lee. There's also a much older name that's a current coordinator that's going to get a call. Bill O'Brien. Oh, Bill O'Brien at Alabama. Yeah. Bill O'Brien. He's through his rehab. Mike Elko, Texas A&M defensive coordinator. Yeah, yeah. He's gone through the Nick Saban yeah. rehab program. Yeah. Uh, what happens to uh, Will Healy? who a year ago was was well, a talker. He would get one of these gigs. Like You're talking about Billy Napier jumping up, then there's Will Healy jumping. Like that, That's how this works. It, one Paul, opening, it's a good name for Virginia Tech one that opening, I would talk to if I were them. One opening leads to another, right? Yeah, the wild card options thrown out here are Charles Huff, uh, who was at Vanderbilt under James Franklin, then at Alabama. A great recruiter, widely regarded as one of the best recruiters in the country. He's in year one at Marshall. Oh, they're six and four at Marshall in year one. That's right, yeah. As a wild card, the other one that was thrown out as a wild card is Shane Beamer, who rejected the notion that he's leaving Very South Carolina strongly. after this was done. Um, this is an interesting one. Chris Beatty, the Chargers wide receiver coach, he's forty-eight years old, but he won a bunch of state titles as a high school head coach in Virginia before going to the Chargers. So they would know. Like they would like know that. him That's in that he's region. Been, he's been an assistant at West Virginia, Vandy, Illinois, Wisconsin, Virginia, Maryland, and Pitt. Also, he's been a lot of places. So, I'm assuming he's called plays or something in one of these spots. But or, here's I don't know. You know, here's what we we're getting to, and and you raised this point, Hutton. None of these names really no. blows your skirt up, so to speak. Right? So I kind of like it a little bit. Other than that, Dave Clawson, who's that, uh, you know undefeated, technically undefeated in the ACC because that was an out-of-conference game against North Carolina in a weird way. I like it a little bit in that it's not going to be a win-the-press-conference thing so much as it's going to be uh, one of these guys, at least, is going to wind up being good, but it's not going to be out of the hype on the front end. It's going to be on the production on the back end. But I, I just I find it... A, a bit odd and also humorous that college programs are willing to pay an extra million and a half just to, <laughs> to jump in front. for this list. Yeah, you're right. No, you're right. Like there is no splash higher that everyone's chasing. So you should be saying we're gonna find a great unknown. Well, who are they trying to? But my question would be, who are they trying to jump on this list or Miami? Because we know Miami's going to be open too. 
Well, so is there a Miami tie-in that they know Miami's about to fire their coach and they're getting out in front but, of but it honestly, to though, make an offer to someone they believe Miami's going to target? I'm sorry, but and Virginia, that's in their Virginia Tech trying to jump LSU for a coach isn't no, happening. It's not going to happen. Yeah, it's got to be something more like Again, Miami. Miami, if yeah. you offer the right amount of money, maybe. You've got a campus. Yeah, you've got a stadium on a campus. Yep, <laughs> you got fans. You're playing football. You need a coach. <laughs> You're in the ACC. <laughs> I love this. Is a sales pitch from Whit Babcock. You're in the ACC. There's a stadium. Outkick 360 rolls on. There's trees. There's students. <laughs>